On this episode of the TSK Show, Jacob and I hold it down while Tyler unfortunately could not make it tonight, but we are going to be joined by a couple of guests. We will share our thoughts on how and when we found out the devastating news that Kobe Bryant, as well as eight others, including his daughter Gianna, died in a helicopter crash this past Sunday morning, January 26th. We'll also discuss how the news has affected the current NBA and its players We'll highlight what teams have done to honor Kobe in their game since this tragic news broke. We're also going to share some of our favorite moments of Kobe Bryant's career, and we'll reflect on what Kobe meant to us. This episode is dedicated to the life of Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Alyssa Altabelli, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, Christina Mauser, and Aria Zobayan. All right, let's start the show. With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. Well, he might be only 18 years and five months old, but this guy can do everything that the veterans can do and do it better, perhaps. Kobe Bryant shooting and hitting with Michael Jordan in his face. So Bryant getting his first points of the game. I remember I was young like that. Uh, he certainly has a lot of skills, and you see that. And but He's got a lot of confidence, and I think it's just a matter of time for him. You, know? you look at him, you're talking about a young man with range. He can go off the dribble. He can get his shot. Bryant with the save. Oh, get a shot here. Final seconds. Bryant for the win. Bang! Bryant to shot. This would be 18 for 20 from the line. And... 81-point game, 55 in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest scoring performance in NBA history. You couldn't possibly expect this to be easy. If you want to make history, you have to do historic things. Kicks it back out to Bryant. Bryant puts up the three. It's good. Kobe Bryant from downtown. And the foul. Is there anybody in the NBA who loves these moments more than Kobe Bryant? Artest looking, gets it to Bryant. Bryant dribbling, has to put it up with the buzzer, banks it in, oh, he banks in the three, and the Lakers win the game. Kevin Magasol trying to find Kobe, and Kobe will get it for the win, got it, got it, he is hard to believe, no he's not, won't go, rebound to Saul, kicks it out to Odom, Odom throws it ahead, the Lakers repeat, the best player in our game today in my opinion uh the way that he approached the game every night and he's been in every game situation and he succeeded at it so you know that's what that's where it comes to having that killer instinct because he knows what it takes he could barely make it to the free throw line bryant tonight with 32 points five rebounds four assists and he is hurting but the lakers down by two and they want him and need him at the free throw line got it Will Kobe give them one last gamer? Bryant on the move with the jumper. He oh, my! 58 points! And the Lakers lead! All I can do here is just thank you guys. Thank you guys for all the years of support. Thank you guys for all the motivation. Thank you for all the inspiration. And uh, what can I say? Mamba out. Wow. That was that was incredible, Jacob. Thank you for making that. Oh, of course, man. Yeah. 
I know we needed something good for our intro, uh, especially for this episode, so I just thought I'd put this together. Yeah, wow. Uh, that that gave me chills, honestly. Um, welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports, Sklar. Uh, I'm joined by one of my co-hosts, Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, unfortunately, my other co-host, Tyler Pacholke, Mr. 360, could not make it tonight, but we are joined by some special guests tonight as well. We got my best friend in life, my brother, known him since fourth grade. Me and him, probably biggest Kobe fans in out there. Uh, the one and only Ethan Beard, at Mr. Beardface on social media. What's up, E? How you doing, man? What's up, guys? How you doing? Uh, tough week, but we're, uh, uh. we're trying to get through this. Um, but uh, I think this... This is a way that can help. We're also joined by a very special guest. Huge Kobe fan. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the biggest Kobe detractors I know. But this <laughs> I, I honestly haven't seen him like this before. Uh this is the one and only Adam Osland. He is one half of the FNA show, the FNA podcast. He hosts pre, half, and post game on AM five seventy LA radio. Ah, AM five seventy LA Sports here in Los Angeles for the Clippers. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to have him on to give his perspective on the events that have occurred over the past few days. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Welcome to the show. I felt for you. I saw you on Sunday. Yeah, I, I had to come into work on Sunday. You had to cover the Clipper game that was taking place. Which I don't even remember at all. Yeah, honestly, I don't really remember Sunday all that much. E, I'm, I don't think you remember that much either. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I can't remember. I've been, like, numb and blacked out since Sunday. I don't know what happened five minutes ago. I'm still, like, <laughs> trying to grasp it all. It's crazy. Yeah. Same, honestly. Since Sunday, I I still can't believe it at times. Uh, watching highlights of his throughout the week, especially putting together that intro uh, that you just heard in the beginning. But I, I, even watching the highlights, I just like I can't believe it. Honestly, yeah, <clears throat> right. It's right. It's 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 got it's. I I would say that this has been this is by like easily the hardest thing that I've ever had to wrap my head around. I, it just. You know, I think we've all had experiences that are tough and maybe don't make sense, but we're like, okay, you know, there's, I understand maybe something positive comes from this, but, you know, I think personally it's just tough to, to just comprehend and accept. And it's just like this like vicious cycle of like, kind of think you understand it. And then I watch some videos online and I'm like, just right back in like the sadness of it. Yeah. And obviously, uh, I don't, I honestly can't remember if I said it at the top, but this episode is uh, dedicated to Kobe Bryant. Obviously, the tragic news that happened on Sunday, January 26th, uh, Kobe Bryant and eight other passengers, including his daughter, Gianna, were in a helicopter crash, and unfortunately, none of them made it out. And it, like Ethan was saying, it still just doesn't feel real to me to say that Kobe Bryant died. Like I, I never pictured this day coming. So I, I kind of want to go around the room 
and just kind of get a feel for where we all were and how we all found out. So, uh, Adam, do you want to start? Yeah, I was uh, well, I was at the gym, and I was away from my phone for about 20 minutes trying to get a workout in, <laughs> trying to uh, live better here in 2020, getting on that keto diet. Yeah, your arms are bigger. They've gotten bigger? I think it's an illusion. I, I'm hoping maybe, they've maybe gotten it's slimmer. A, maybe it's a smaller shirt. <laughs> they don't get much smaller than the ones I'm wearing. But <laughs> on my way into work, I started getting text messages from people who are not basketball fans, from people who are casuals, <laughs> as you'd call them in the NBA community or in the sports community, people that watch Super Bowls and the World Series and the NBA Finals, parts of them, but they don't watch regular season stuff. They don't care about sports. So I knew something was up. My phone was blowing up, and somebody asked, is it true about Kobe? And then I went on Twitter, and like everyone else, I was in shock and hoping that it was just a sick joke by somebody. I think TMZ had it first. Yeah, they did. Um, but I knew we had a Clippers game coming up in about two hours with the pregame show starting at 2. They're in Orlando taking on the Magic. And I text Don Martin, our boss, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how do you want this done? Because, first of all, I don't even know if they're going to play. Yeah. We all suspected, and I had heard from some people behind the scenes, that there were players that were not going to play. Some other other games were obviously already underway, and guys were finding out in the moment, and you saw Tyson Chandler in tears and other players, and uh, Trey Young wearing the number eight and going yeah. for 45. But there are a couple players, a few players, that are really close to Kobe on the Clippers, obviously, with Kawhi and PG oh, yeah. and how Kobe was his inspiration and Lou Williams playing with Kobe Bryant. And so I wondered, uh, is Adam Silver going to just cancel games because he picks up that guys aren't going to play? Are we just going to cancel games for the week, the next couple of days? I'm not sure. But I start to put together a pregame show that was completely out of the ordinary for me in a way that was – just basically a eulogy for Kobe. And I just scrapped everything I had and tried to uh, do something very different. We took some calls. I talked with Noah Eagle, your radio voice of the Clippers. He was in Orlando, obviously. We talked a little bit about our memories, even though there's no way we could grasp what just happened. But it was the story, not the Clippers game, not any game. And so that's what we did for the first hour of the show. I played Doc Rivers in that interview where he breaks down. As we he, have that sound. Okay, let's listen to that. Let's, let's all cry again. No. <laughs> it's so overwhelming, but it's Doc. I knew Doc was going to be hurting bad, and you can just hear it in his voice. He is, which is just a wreck pregame. And I love Doc Rivers, and I love him in moments, especially when you need some wisdom. When you need just kind of that fatherly figure, he was great during the Donald Sterling issue in the first round of the playoffs with the Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. I don't know how the Clippers would have gotten through that without a guy like Doc Rivers at the helm. And uh, here he is. Uh, You know, I don't know. Uh, You know, I just don't have a lot to say. I, uh, 
the news is just devastating to everybody uh, who knew him, known him a long time. And, uh, you know, he, he just, he, mean, he means a lot to me, obviously. Um, you know, he was such a great opponent, you know. Um, it's what you want in sports. Um, he had that, that DNA that, um, that very few athletes can ever have, you know, the, the Tiger Woods and the, the Michael Jordans, you know. Um, it's funny. I, uh, I was getting to know him more since he retired, you know. Um, yeah, this is, this is a tough one. I don't uh, – I mean, we have to go play. Uh, I mean, the news is just so devastating for, for Vanessa and, and, his, and his family. And um, there's just so many people he touched, you know. Um, and, you know, it's, it's looking at my young players and, and seeing how emotional uh, they are. Um, they didn't even know him, you know. And uh, it just tells you how far his reach was. So, um, I mean, this is just shocking news for all of us. And sorry, I don't have a lot to say. Uh, I just can't uh, I have to go talk to a team uh, before a game and tell them to play. <laughs> I mean, it's that's just gut wrenching. Yeah, he yeah. felt so, all the emotions. It was it, it was Doc, yeah. and he's he's lived long enough to know the weight of something like this. I mean, he's won a championship against Kobe, and he's lost one against Kobe. It's he's got a a relationship with him, maybe not personally, but scheming per, and trying to stop. Yeah, him. professionally, they they're always going to be connected. So, Ethan, I want to I want to move on to you now. Where where were you and how did, how did you find out? Um, so I was leaving. I was on a, my brother's bachelor uh, party trip and we were leaving and I was in the car and, you know, a, you know, a bachelor party trip, obviously everyone's just making jokes and saying dumb stuff, you know, the whole weekend. And um, one of the guys who was in a different car gave me a call. And I think it was like, I, w- I really want to say it was within like two minutes of TMZ posting it he gave me a call and said, called me and said, Kobe died. And I said, no. And I'm thinking, dude, the the weekend's over. Like, first of all, that's not funny. Two is the weekend's over. Like stupid jokes are are done now. And um, I was just, I looked it up and I saw it was TMZ and, 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 and nothing else. And I know TMZ normally gets their stuff right, but I was praying to God that it was a hoax of some sort. And, uh, you know, it just kept breaking and, you know, different news stations. And, um, and that was, I mean, that's how I found out, you know, people I was texting, I, I, I was starting to, I was getting a bunch of texts, but I was texting like my people, like some, like you, Eric, and, and, and a couple other friends who I know are on like the same, like obsessive level, like trying to get to just see, maybe, you know, how, like, you know, I know that you're on big on Twitter. So I'm like praying to God that it was, show that it was not uh real um on twitter and and then i don't know i was just in shock and and had to like got out of my car and was just like shaking and 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 just pure like i'd almost say fear and disbelief and it's funny too because i did i i've a couple times i've even recently which is crazy i've thought like 
how would I be affected if Kobe died? Like, how would that really make me feel, you know? But then I was like, you know what? At that point, I'll, 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 I will hopefully have already met him. He'll be older. I'll go to, you know, my kids will know about him and they will be. And I was just like, you know, I'll be older and he'll be older. It'll maybe make sense or whatever. But so it's just crazy that like, I've, you know, I've had a couple of those thoughts before, just like basically a panic of like, what would I do when, when this happens? And, you know, and, and right, you know, in the snap of a finger, I was living that fear. Um, and it's just, I mean, I'm talking about it. It doesn't sound real. Still, I think it, it, you know, it really does just feel like he is like retired or something, you know, and it's just very tough and emotional. And, um, you know, it just feels like I lost somebody like so close to my heart. And, and I know a lot of people feel that, um, and I, I know I'm not the only one, but obviously we all have our like deep connections with with him and what he meant to us through our childhood. And I, I felt like, you know, I relied on him a lot for different things. You know, my dad's not an athletic person in any in any fashion. So <laughs> Ricochet like, shot at you know, uh, Dr. Beard. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, like. Like in the sports world, I looked up to him, you know, as a kid, my inner kid was broken and, and that inner kid looked up to Kobe Bryant as, as, as a father figure almost, you know, kind of guided me on my, you know, athletic decisions, the most athletic a Jewish boy can be. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I just, I, I felt and feel, you know, broken in a sense and um, just, I'd say still just shock and Maybe I'm going now on too much of a tangent. No, you're like, good. You're good. For me, like the biggest thing, it's funny too. The more I talk about it, it's like this, like a form of like anxiety comes over me. It's like my body just re-enters that extremely numb state of just pure shock. Um, yeah. You know, and and it's just for me. I think what the hardest thing is is that. You know, if you look at pictures before Sunday, when we were seeing pictures of Kobe and in the background, like blurry were the banners or a sky, like an eagle, like a sky view of him walking on the floor and it says Lakers. Like those were all like if I was having a bad day or I'm studying and I ever needed motivation, like I looked at those pictures because they brought me happiness and they brought me back into my my, um, you know, interpretation of a Mamba mentality and to me, it, it kind of, it's like putting salt on a wound when now these pictures are just, just looked at in such a sad light. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's crazy. Like these memory, it's hard. It's like these positive memories are now in, at least in this exact moment are not positive. So I think for me, that's, that's the hardest uh, uh, thing that I'm going through. I feel you. All right, Jacob, uh, where were you? Well, Sunday I went out, uh, I was running errands with my family, you know, my aunt. Uh, so we, we go to breakfast and uh, we had just sat down and I think I was talking to her for a couple minutes and then a table next to us, uh, this girl, she pulls out her phone and she's showing her mom a picture of something and she's like, oh my gosh. And I, I, I didn't really pay too much attention, but I saw a picture, just a glimpse of it. And I said, well, whatever this is, it's got to be on social media somewhere. So I was like, all right, let me get out my phone uh, and look and see if I could find it. So I get out my phone uh, and then I start seeing reports. The first one was from TMZ. 
And I said, well, TMZ, uh, like Ethan said, it's, it's credible, but you just don't know. And so I Google it. I go online. I start looking at different news outlets, and then I see three or four of them with the same headlines. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this – I, I, I can't believe it. And then I see an ABC News report where they're still trying to figure out and identify who was on that plane at that time. And so that's where I had that, like, 1% chance where I thought maybe this, this didn't happen to him, you know. But as the day goes on and as I got home, I sat there and watched, you know, NBC. I watched Fred Rogan talk about it, and, you know, he brought on all these people, and it started becoming more, more real at the time, and it started hitting me piece by piece. Um, I think what really got me, it didn't, it didn't sink in until he brought on Jerry West, which Jerry West drafted him, and listening him to him talk about Kobe and crying on the phone and just being so emotional how, how he was during the interview, I think that was when it finally hit me where I was like, this is, this is real. Yeah, I mean, hearing what Jerry West had to say last night on uh, NBA on TNT. Yeah, that, 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 was, that, was, that was heartbreaking. Oh, he and Shaq him and, destroyed yeah. me all over again. I felt, yeah. I felt it all. I mean, and so ba- basically what Jerry West said was he – when Kobe was going through a bad time with the Lakers and he was requesting a trade and wanted to test the free agency market and all of that, apparently Kobe had made an agreement to sign with the Clippers, but he had two conversations with Jerry West and Jerry West convinced Kobe to not sign with the Clippers because he didn't want Kobe to play for Donald Sterling. And this was all while Jerry West was the GM of Memphis. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't even part of the Lakers organization. Yeah. And so, that story has yeah. been out there. That's real. Mike uh, Mike Dunleavy came on with Petros and Money. This is probably over five years ago now. Yeah. Talking about that situation where they thought they had Kobe. They thought it was done. Yeah. It was Because he gave him, d- didn't he give him like a verbal agreement almost in a sense? That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I found out on Twitter and I was just scrolling through normally like I would in the morning. I had woken up on a Sunday morning late because I didn't have to be at work at the radio station until two. So I wanted to sleep in. I And I was just scrolling and all of a sudden I see someone retweeted the TMZ link with like a, oh no, this can't be real or so, something like that. I honestly don't even remember. I I I blacked out at points on Sunday. And the first five times I clicked the TMZ link, the website was down because it had crashed. So I couldn't get any information. And that had been the only link that I had seen. And I literally tweeted out at the time. I said, I need somebody else to confirm this besides TMZ. And that all went back to learning as a journalism major in college, like, you got to have two sources. And it wasn't until I saw Kurt Sandoval's tweet from ABC7 saying, like, this isn't a joke. Like, I just confirmed this Kobe was indeed on that helicopter. I lost it. My hero was gone. Like, Like, Ethan was born... August 93, I'm born May 94. Kobe was drafted and traded to the Lakers in 96. I was two years old when he made his debut. He was 17. He 
his parents had to co-sign his first NBA contract because he wasn't legally allowed to sign it because he was 17. We all grew up in L.A. at the same time. So it it was it's still unfathomable what's I think, what's I think what you're saying is interesting too, Eric. Like on on that point is I, you know I was laying in bed with with my fiance and I'm crying and I'm bawling and I'm and I say to her I'm like I know this sounds childish but what I was like I've never lived my life without this guy. I know I didn't know him but he's every step of the way in some fashion, you know, he's been involved. Like, of course, we had Shaq, but he's gone. You know, we had players, and then they left, you know, going to different teams. Like, Kobe's been there every step of the way. So, it's just, it's, I'm just, like, trying to, I'm, I'm just going off your point, you know, yeah. like how, how, you know, much that really hits home. And, um, you know, maybe that's dramatic to say, but, but as a basketball fan, like he's been with us every step of the way. And even after retirement, he's still been there. And if anything, after retirement, we've even got to know him more just because he was he showed more of no you know, being, you know, being a human. So, I mean, that's what I said to, to Michelle. I said, you know, what do I like? I'm going to have to now live my life without this guy. And that's, you know, I, I, I never, I, I never pictured a day. No, go. Right. No, no, I, I agree. There's, I never pictured a day of, you know, without him. And, 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 he, um, I kind of just lost my train of thought for a second, Sorry. but, but it's just, it's just, it's just wild. It's just very wild. No. And I know, I know, uh, you got to go pretty soon. So real quickly, I want to talk about us going down to Staples Center on Monday and, uh, yeah. and what that was like. Uh, I think we, I think it's safe to say for for both of us. I think we both thought it was going to do something for us, but I'm not really sure if it did. Like, it's pretty soon. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, but yeah. I, I yeah, didn't want to. The next day is tough. I didn't want to say that I didn't do it. You know, I didn't want right. to miss out on that. Like Ethan and I had a conversation when we were on the way down. It was like. We remember in 2009 and 2010 conversations we had about skipping school to go to the championship parades, and we decided not to, and we decided to go to school those days, and we regret that. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't want to regret not going now. And, school is so overrated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, even though it didn't give you maybe the closure you wanted, it was still that experience that you won't have to regret. Yeah, now. and and listen. I mean, we were there at two thirty in the afternoon on a Monday, and there had to be a thousand people there. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I think, first of all, a hundred percent. I'm I'm so happy I did it. There's a couple of things like regarding Kobe that that I didn't do, and I and it, you know, those that was also one of the stages of of this painful process is just the regret that I was feeling. And so I, I would go. I would go there again. Even you know, I, I think going was was something that I will never regret. You know, that'll never be a regret in my life. But um, right, I, I I don't think it really made me feel better necessarily. I think what made me feel better was 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 just crying and and just like expressing 
and kind of verbalizing that little kid's love for him. Yeah. Um, and I also want to say, too, like, this is so sad, but, like, I was just looking at videos of his daughter, and obviously there was two other 13-year-olds on there, and that, that is just, it's just not, it's just not right. It's so, it's just so, so wrong that this happened. Um, That's the Even part. outside of it being Kobe. Like, I love Kobe, but... First of all, you know, you're in the hill. And I'm not – now, I've, I've never even said this. I'm just talking off first thought. But, like, you bought a helicopter. You knew what you were doing. Like, it was kind of risky. You're, it's always risky going and, and doing a helicopter. But, you know, so he knew. And he had, and he was 40. Like, not a full life, but lived an incredible life. But, you know, three 13-year-olds who, who don't eat – just getting started. It's just so brutal. So brutal. I think that's the part that's hard to reconcile – and creates this surreal nature to the whole thing. If it was just Kobe and the pilot, it's terrible. It's sad. It's a tragedy. It's still I tough. I think it would be easier, though, to accept and actually see some positives or some silver lining. But with his daughter being there, with the other families being there, for things just to end like that, yeah. it's it's not a hero's death. It's It's just everything is over like that and it's it's not like we it's not like there was some sort of sickness or any sort of forewarning where there was time to to completely abrupt Um, i mean these these girls are 13 years old like you like it's just so crazy i don't know i'm thinking like obviously we never know what when death is around the corner but we we never we just don't expect it to be right there. And especially as a 13 year old who all she loved to do. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't know much about the other two girls. And I mean, I know about the coach on the plane, uh, the baseball coach. I don't know so much about all the other families, um, which, you know, not to take away from them, but I do know about no. Gigi and just being so passionate about basketball. And um, it, it's just horrible. It's just, it's, it's, it's just not right. I'm, I, and I'm honestly shocked that Vanessa, you know, already wrote something. I thought it was beautiful that she did. I'm shocked that she did so soon. And, you know, I'm sure she's hurting beyond words. I know she is. And, and same with Kobe's parents who lost their son and granddaughter. It's like a double whammy, you know, something that you never want to see. And you, you wouldn't wish upon your worst enemies. I just, it kills me to see his daughter and the daughter's gone. It's almost like... Look, I've criticized Kobe for 25 years almost, and he was a divisive, polarizing player. And there was no consensus or there was no – he wasn't unanimously loved. And that's the same for most players, but Kobe was especially just difficult for some people to get behind where others obviously are brought to tears by him, and I've been too just because he's been in my life for so long, for better or for worse, I, I will never cover another athlete as much as I've talked about Kobe Bryant. I've, I put together some of the math numbers of how many hours there are in a year and thinking about how many games he's played that I watched. And I, I probably have a year of my life that is just Kobe Bryant, 24 hours a day. I could probably say that. And you're saying that as someone who grew up in Northern California. Right. And it was more difficult to watch regular season games, obviously, then. (laughs) But I've been down here since 02, so I've been here for a while. Yeah. But the situation is as complicated 
and as complex and difficult as sometimes Kobe was in some ways, just to understand. Yeah. And it's just so difficult to wrap your head around how that could happen, why it would happen like this. If it's just Kobe and the pilot and Gigi goes on to be the greatest WNBA player of all time or makes it to the NBA as the first person and continues his legacy, the first female to do that, it you can see a story, some positive, something. This, no. Yeah. Right. E, e, um, and do you got to go or are you? No, good? I could keep going a little bit longer. Okay. Um, I could keep going a little longer. And, okay. and, and yeah, I mean, I think, and, and that's, that's also, I mean, that's what also is part of the burn too, is that like, there's no, there's no, there's not going to be like the Kobe legacy, uh, you know, going anymore. Like she was, and his other daughters are going to do their own things. And maybe his two babies will grow up and love basketball and who knows. But, you know, like she just had that passion. I love the video where um, they're sitting courtside and Kobe's kind of whispering to her. And it looks like he's breaking down the game and she's so locked in on the floor. And then they kind of have that like laughing moment. Um, I'm sure you guys all know what I'm talking yeah, no, about. I, tweet- I tweeted that video out and I said that that video just means so much more now because all he was trying to do was – teach her to love the game the way that he learned to love the game and the way he learned to be a student of the game. And that, that video just, it means so much more now, I think. Yeah. And you, uh, can, yeah. you love that. You can tell it's not forced upon her. This At is all. her loving the game and having those genes, the same thing that Kobe Bryant had. He's, he's been on record saying that he didn't force it on her. Yeah. She, yeah when she, she was she younger, would, she would play basketball and she, she would, would go help to her. him and ask him questions. And, and I love, I think it was on Kimmel, the story that Kimmel or found oh, one yeah, of the late yeah. night shows mm-hmm. where he says Kimmel. that uh, fans and people would come up to him saying, oh, you got to have a boy uh, to carry on the legacy, blah, blah, blah. And she would be standing right next to him and she would just pipe in and be like, hey, no, like I, I got, got this. this. Yeah, like I got <laughs> this. Don't worry. But you know at some point you have four girls, you have four babies. He was probably trying to have that boy. And then eventually he comes to grips with it. He's like, hey, this doesn't matter. I have four healthy young children, and I'm going to be a girl dad or whatever. What's the hashtag? Yeah, the hashtag girl dad. It's been trending all day. And I think he was such a good ambassador for the female game and would have been. Such an advocate. That is, that's what. Well, he uh, was always pushing really for that, too. He, I, yeah, he y- just years talked ago, about the WNBA the other day, yeah. a week ago. And years ago, he always, used to t- he always used to say that it was the most fundamental game. It was the WNBA. Yeah. It's not as flashy, but they were always just so fundamentally sound. He's talking, yeah. who was the girl at, at Oregon that they have uh, they've had a relationship something. where he's tweeting at her? Mm-hmm. I think her name's Sabrina. Um, hold on a sec. I got this. It's just in so many ways it feels like he's mellowed out to the point where he could help so many other people, so many other players, so many young players. I heard Doc Rivers earlier today saying that he invited Austin Rivers to work out with him this summer, and Austin was just yeah. so taken aback and just so excited for that. Kobe was one of his heroes. I saw a picture of Austin on Twitter. Eyes bloodshot. Could tell he had been crying for hours. Uh, the Oregon basketball player Sabrina Ionescu, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. But it's like it's like what you said earlier. Maybe you didn't care for him as a player during his twenty year career, but after the he was really making himself available to people like Giannis to Kawhi. Yeah. If you wanted to work out with him, he said, "Hey, just call me." 
Yeah. And as, also, as standoffish as, as he was, was as a player, mm-hmm. none of that has been there since he's retired. I think it's because he understood. I, mean, I, think, I think it's because he understood right. where he, like his place in the history of the game, and he saw how Jordan would answer his questions when he would ask. Yeah. And feel them with your legs. Exactly. He also, he also grew up, you know, as, as like going to Italy and, and, and then coming back. And I know stories of him talking about coming back to Philly and, and, and having like different clothing styles. And he was, and he was just a loner. And I think that when he came into the league, um, you know, he was just very introverted and, and, and his life was basketball and, and he needed that. And that's what kind of gave off that like asshole vibe. And, and I think as he got older, you know, even though he was starting to have like his, his two, you know, his kids, like, you know, obviously the two, his two older kids, um, you know, I think like he was still just so focused on basketball. And now as he continues to get older, you know, of course, just like anybody he becomes more mature. And I'm sure even before he showed it, he was way more emotional than, than we even know him to be. And it wasn't really until his retirement. Cause he also now at a certain point, you're at year 15, 16, you have to kind of keep up this persona. You know, if Kobe was dribbling down the court against somebody, they were scared. That was a scary situation. He had to maintain that, that fear in people's eyes. And I think especially after retiring, he was able to show really the man that he became and, and, and the man that, that he's happiest being. And, um, you know, I, I, whether it was, it's so crazy, man. It's just so crazy. Cause he's so damn good at everything, <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but it just, it doesn't matter what his kids were doing. Like he was, it looked like he was happy with them and, and he was passionate about it. And it just so happened that, um, that, that Gigi loved basketball. And, and it's just like, it is just hard to believe and I'll say another thing, too. It's actually crazy because I, I live in Calabasas. And today I was working um, just, like, in those hills. Like, literally, I, I mean, I could see the hill. No matter where I turn, the hill's in my background. And it, it was actually just, like, painful to be home. I was uncomfortable in my own house. And I don't – I mean, that, that I think that almost just speaks to how powerful, like, he was. And, you know, in my life, again, obviously everyone's lives. It's just, like – this is just this. I mean, the world, it feels like has stopped spinning into, until we somehow recover from, from something like this. And it's like everyone has their own personal relationship with a celebrity that maybe they never talked to from yeah. afar, right. but because you idolized him and you watched him and followed him and he was the first really star athlete at that level to be in the new 24 seven news cycle and Twitter and everything else. It's just different. There hasn't been anyone that's been under a microscope like Kobe Bryant, the controversy, everything. Yeah, it it is. It is so difficult even for me and I'm older, but I remember magic and stuff like that. So I can't say that I, I don't remember my time here without Kobe, but nobody there's nobody in sports, no athlete that I will ever talk about again as much as I did Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Even if you didn't care for basketball, like you said earlier, Adam, a lot of the people who didn't even watch basketball, you know who he was. Yeah. I had, he, he was an I had LA family icon. members hitting me up that don't have don't aren't interested in sports or anything. You, you they didn't were have like, to watch one NBA no. game, one of his games, but you knew who he was. And and going back to 
the point about him being a lot more open and when players were reaching out to him, him being open to training them and working them out and all of that, it's like, it's so sad because we were supposed to see Kobe Bryant 40 plus years from now sitting courtside at games watching the next generation of Lakers like Bill Russell does the next generation of Celtics. And it's like, I don't know. But I and even though that's I, the part that hit me too is that you see all these guys like you know Bill Russell and you see people who go into broadcasting like like Charles Barkley and and Kenny Smith, they're older and we but we still have them around the game in some way or another. Yeah, and I, I never I never got to meet Kobe Bryant. I didn't go to Kobe camp. I I didn't I just, I never got to meet him. And that's one of the biggest things I think I'm going to miss out on in my life, but and but saying all that, one of the whole reasons I got into sports radio, sports journalism, and that whole field was to hopefully one day get the chance to interview him. And that's one of the things that hurts most for me is, like, I'm never going to get that chance. I got into this business from arguing against Kobe fans. you're still here. <laughs> I would not be where I am today. If it wasn't for my passion and disdain at times for Kobe Bryant back in the day, oh, we go back, we go back and forth all the time on Twitter, and that's what to me is so strange. Now it's just it's over. Like that era, that part of me is no longer going to be present. It's and maybe there's something to that. And I've seen people say stop debating and just celebrate. And one of Kobe's quotes or one of his tweets from a couple of years ago. And I, I, I slandered it at times I know what you're talking at about. the time it came out where he said, stop, stop debating, you know, Michael six, my five LeBron's quest. Yeah. Just appreciate these guys. And maybe there's something to that. Now, there is also something to sports and you're always going to rate guys and talk about it. And it would be nice. That's what makes it if fun. Everyone could, yes, shove it aside and just appreciate everyone. But, but. For a brief moment, I think for a while here, people are going to remember that. For they sure. are just going to celebrate, guys. For sure. Now, real real quickly, especially because Adam is here, uh, I want to talk about the fact that the Lakers and Clippers were supposed to play Tuesday night, and that game has been postponed. It's going to be rescheduled for a later date. The Lakers are going to be playing supposedly on Friday. They haven't announced anything regarding that game. But I wanted to get your. I wanted. They're playing, they're playing on Friday. No, I know, Ethan. I just didn't want to bring that part up. But whatever. No. We don't want to timestamp it. <laughs> no, that it. I'll explain later. Okay. I'll explain off mic. Um, I just don't. I don't. I don't think that information needs to be public right now. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, I wanted I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that and the fact that it was postponed and like, do you think they should have canceled the games on Sunday? Like you you could clearly see, like we mentioned before, like players were visibly upset and players' minds were not on the game. Yeah, I think logistically it would have been so difficult to pull that off and just cancel the rest mm-hmm. of the games. I don't know how many games were played on Sunday. I believe there was eight. And how many were, you know, at 3 p.m. on? That's when the Clippers game started. Some games started earlier. I did put this out on Twitter immediately. Everybody just plays 81 games this year. That's one way you could honor Kobe. But on the other hand, I see the argument of, 
Kobe would want you to keep playing. Kobe would want you to ball. That's what Kawhi Leonard said afterwards when he That's was interviewed. That's what Shaq said last night on NBA and TNT. It, it, yeah, just it, keep going. If there was one guy that would play through anything, it was Kobe. So that it, see that's that's another thing that gets me is like my entire life I was led to believe Kobe Bryant was fucking invincible. Yes, if he had lost both his arms and both his legs, he still, still be would, out there. He would still have tried to shoot a basketball with his chest somehow, some way. I, th- I think that's part of the mythology moving forward with Kobe, a lot of the mama mentality and just remembering how tough he was. And, yeah, if there was one guy that you thought, and I think Bill Plasky said this the other day, but would outlive all of us, it's Kobe. And that's what makes it so difficult. 100%. Because it's, it's right. not the way, it's not the way that you him. would picture him going out. No. Not at all. It's, it's what, too One thing I love too too about Kobe is, like, it didn't feel like – I mean, I don't know how relevant this is, but it didn't feel like he, like, portrayed himself as super untouchable. You know, like, there's certain guys out there who, like, you know, are, are out there right now, like, like, like A.B., you know, who's, like, recording the cops and screaming at him and, like, kind of, like, is portrayed like he feels like he's untouchable, could do whatever he wants and lives above the law. Like, you know, Kobe just – I just never – it just didn't feel like he lived his life like that. You know, it didn't seem like he was like trying to take risks because he didn't think his life would be, you know, that he was untouchable. That was obviously something that we put that like painted him in this picture of being this hero, this Superman that can't get hurt. And then it's, it's just crazy. Like, but that's what he was to us. Right. And the irony of like, that's how he went out. Like, like the most, you know, helpless, you know, one of the most helpless, helpless ways somebody could die. But he was no matter. longer in control. And, yeah. And, and right. he was such a controlling right. player, such a controlling, I don't want to say person. I don't know that side of him. I don't think he was later on. I think, like I said earlier, I think he milled out. But. No, but at the at a certain point, though, where he got himself in his career, he warranted that respect and that, that I guess – decision-making power yeah and i'm not saying that's even a bad thing or that unusual no 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 no. but somebody that's an ultimate alpha dog like that something now is outside or out of their hands and it has been forever i mean he's been flying in the chopper like it's a car Uh, yeah he did the same route the day before yeah the cruel irony is the fact that he did it to maximize time and instead his life is cut short yeah yeah right yeah crazy yeah are you, are you good or yeah i got a couple i have to leave in a couple of minutes but actually i was reading it actually it was not the same i mean they they went to mamba academy but it wasn't actually the same route no not the same um, route but like it, the same trip the same destinations it's like it, it was right, a normal exactly. routine it's so crazy i like really for, first of all i hope like you know, some people like in the talks have been saying, well, Kobe probably was telling him he has to fly the plane or helicopter. And I'm like, you know, one, it just doesn't even make sense. You know, we hire an accountant to work our money because that's what their job is. You hire a pilot to fly the plane because that's their job. They know what's going on. You know, like it, and I'm not putting blame on anybody. It's just like to hear the narrative of like people trying to attack Kobe or say that he probably forced it and all that. You know, I just think it was, 
I'm not even blaming the pilot because he also got permission. He said, can I fly? He obviously thought and was confident uh, with his life that he could fly through that and, and got permission. So it's just, it's just wild the way that it went down. And I think just like my last like statement here and then I got to go, but you know, I think we all agree. Like we wish that some decisions were made, um, you know, better decisions were made and, and, um, for me, I think I've just learned through this of, of one, I'm going to make sure as my kids grow up, if they have an idol, like I'm very passionate about now more than ever about making sure they get that opportunity to meet them. Um, and, and then just, you know, not just doing, just doing more, I think, whether that's like expressing love to people or maybe doing something that might be outside of my comfort zone or taking a trip because like maybe it's not exactly the right time, but I know I can do it if I switch some things and whatever, like just, just really living life and, and, and just in, in all aspects. And I think, you know, just trying to take another lesson from Kobe here is, is how I feel I can get through it. All right. Well, I think that was, that was really well said. Uh, e, I want to, I, I, I want to thank you for your time, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks guys. It was, it was awesome talking. All right, man. I'll hit you up later. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Yeah, there's something. Uh, the rampant specu- speculation on what could have happened is irresponsible. It's stupid, and it just shows what side you're on in the Kobe debate or whatever. Yeah. That's that's asinine to me. Yeah, and, and yeah. The, just all the speculation surrounding the entire event. I mean, watching what. Rick Fox was saying last night, talking about how he was falsely named in reports about being potentially on that helicopter. It was wild to hear him uh, like recount firsthand what he experienced and having family members call him to make sure he was okay and him having to call other family members to tell yeah. him he was alive. I think that's what makes the initial news of hearing Kobe's name on it's just so questioning just because when I heard the news, I said, no, 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 this can't be true. Later on, I heard Rick Fox was on that helicopter and I said, Oh shit, here's another Laker and another LA idol. Maybe not as big of a name as Kobe, but still a lot of people knew who he was and a lot of people liked him. And so you just hear all these names get thrown around and you don't know what to believe at at first. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's quick to report. They want to be first instead of being accurate and correct because in today's day and age, especially, you're going to get a ton of retweets and a ton of attention. We need an old takes exposed account. It's just, I mean, it's just irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Completely. What's crazy is, is I'm pulling my guess is they've been through worse. They've been in sketchier situations, he and the pilot. Yeah. And that was because. What is the urgency when you're not going to be able to start the game anyways without Kobe? This isn't some event, the Oscars or something like that, where it'll start without you. This is the Mamba camp. This is a game where he's coaching and his daughter is playing in. I don't think any of the other parents are going to start ahead of time without Kobe Bryant there. Yeah, no, not, not at all. But overall, I think Kobe Bryant himself, he just... He transcended sports. I mean, we've seen so many athletes outside of basketball have paid their respects by either wearing his jersey in warm-ups or flashing the 2-4 if they scored a goal like Neymar did the other day. I think it's 
it's just crazy to see the impact that he had. Yeah, not only did he transcend it, like you said, but I think he globalized it. You go over to China, and he is beloved by that country. He might be more popular than Yao Ming over there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a tough debate, but... Let's check you, the all-star votes. <laughs> yeah. But you go over there, people have his jerseys, and when he would go over there... He has for, a statue over there. Yeah. That, that's just, so does Marbury. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, you go over there, and, and you see how much how much they love him and idolized him, not even when he was playing, but post-retirement. you know uh, uh, retirement. I, I think the coverage was different it was right place right time right athlete a superstar that could transcend in a time where people were looking for something after michael jordan especially but that that was one thing that i heard a lot of the older generation who i saw expressing their feelings whether it was nba players or just people on twitter a lot of people were looking to fill that void after jordan and that's that's what kobe was for them they tried it with Penny, Grant Hill, T-Mac, Vince, other guys who weren't good enough or who got injured. Kobe was the one that outside the Achilles injury and all the other stuff he played through. Well, and the, the Achilles injury is really what was the precipice of the, the end. I always thought that was cruel also. Of course, an injury that devastating and career-altering always is. But at the time, I thought Kobe was playing some of the best basketball of his career and playing in the way that a lot of people wanted to see him play for so long. I completely agree with that statement, but I 110% blame D'Antoni for playing him 48 minutes a game it, like, that, but, during but, that stretch. But, but you're ignoring then that like Kobe would listen to him anyway. No, I know. He wouldn't yeah. listen to I know. Phil. Is he going to listen to Mike D'Antoni? No, I know. He had no control. There it goes know. back to that. It's... And he wanted his team to get in the, into the playoffs yeah, that year, for too. Sure. And that, they and went 28-12 that... and 12 in the last 40 games, and people acted like it didn't work with Dwight and all that. It's like, no, they were surging. <laughs> yeah, no, it worked. Dwight was hurt the first half of the right. season. He was. I think he uh, took away from his career trying to play through that back injury too early. I think yeah. it had an effect throughout the rest of his career where he lost some bigger prime years just because he's a Laker, he felt the responsibility, he's playing next to Kobe. you got to play. Yeah. Now, in terms uh, of NBA tributes from teams, players, and stuff, I mean, we saw and we continue to see multiple teams taking 24-second shot clock, 8-second backcourt violations to start games. Other teams have worn 8 or 24 jerseys in warm-ups. Some players even got special permission to wear 24 in the games, like Joel Embiid and Larry Nance Jr. did it, uh, I believe, last night. Mm-hmm. And then... Jacob, I know you have the list of the multiple players that have requested to change their number from 8 or 24. Do you want to read those names off? Yeah, so there was a couple. Initially, I think it was just a few. uh, But the first one that I saw was reported was Spencer Dinwiddie. So he was 8, and he's changing it to 26. He's an L.A. native. Terrence Ross is another one. He's changing his to 31. Uh, Jahil Okafor is changing his to 9. Quinn Cook. He changes his to 28 to honor both Kobe and uh, Gianna. Um, Markeith Morris is another one. Alec Burks. Mo Harkless, which Adam probably knows about this one. Uh, Mason Plumley, Zara Smith. Um, and the biggest one that I that I felt that to me it was like, you know what? It's settling in. This is how much respect people have for him was Mark Cuban. 
he said that yeah. no Mavs player will ever wear 24. I'd be fine with the league doing it. I'd be good with that. I don't think it's going to happen. I wouldn't be mad if it did. Trust me, I'm not going to fight it. I think it'd be great. Um, I don't. It's f- also though. Then do you do the same with number eight? Like, yeah. see, that that was the argument with the, the his jersey retirement. Which one do you retire? So if you're going to do it throughout the league, do you just do eight or do you do both of them? And I just and I just remember driving in. I saw a tweet from Sham Sharania. He said that uh, Mie Oni from. The Utah Jazz, he's an L.A. native. He went to Viewpoint High School, which is actually down the street from my high school in Calabasas. Uh, he's changing his number from 8 to 81 to obviously signify the 81-point game and then also the area code 818 here in the Valley. I mean, it's kind of cooler if players just do it naturally which in is, a which way that's they unofficial. Have and yeah, if the they league, all just keep doing that, that sends a huge message. The league usually makes players wait till the end of the year, and you have to do it before the next season, but they're doing it on a case-by-case basis with this one, like in, in this instance, obviously. And I think it's just an incredible gesture on all these players' parts. It's it's amazing to see what the NBA brotherhood, the NBA fraternity, it's, it's incredible to see what they're doing and coming together in, in this tragic time. For the guys that are playing now, he was their MJ. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that that was the guy. I listened to Paul George earlier talk about, I don't play basketball if it's not for Kobe Bryant. I'm not doing any of this. They Neither asked him, do I. What's, what's your greatest memory or what's going to remind you most about Kobe? And he's just like, uh, playing basketball because I don't do it without him. Exactly. He was my inspiration. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it, Kobe, Kobe Bryant is the reason I fell in love with the game of basketball. He's the reason I fell in love with sports. I probably, in a love-hate way, it also strengthened my love for the game. For sure. By being that detractor, by being the ultimate. Well, yeah, you had to cover him for so long. <laughs> I I did. I mean. You had to watch him play to be able to, to have an argument against him. Well, what's interesting is I liked him initially. I liked Shaq when I was younger. The older I got, the more I didn't like them. And then the rivalry between them and the Kings set in, and you really had to choose sides. But I remember where I was when Kobe uh, was in his first All-Star game and did that behind-the-back move. And you yeah. talked about it on Twitter, the yeah, ridiculous two-handed lob he catches. Oh, my goodness. I remember where I was for that game and how I was rooting for him to be the next Michael Jordan. I, I wanted that. And I think for me, I, yeah, I won't, even, I won't even talk about, you know, on court, whatever. It's It's... It's not an appropriate time, but I mean, we got a whole we got a whole segment coming up about on court, our favorite moments. Oh, let's get to it. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get to it in a minute. I, I got a couple other things Adam's I wanted to ready. I got a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, so we brought up retiring his jersey maybe throughout the league. Do you think they're going to change the logo? I don't think they should change the logo. That, w- that one is a little tough. If they I were going to do the it, they should have done it for MJ. They- See. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I don't I don't think they're going to change the logo. I don't think they would change the logo to the Mamba. I think they would do the Jumpman before the Mamba. I and I don't think they'll do either. No, and I don't I don't think I think they're going to keep it how it is. It's a beautiful logo. Yeah. Jerry West. Jerry West is like the gentleman of the NBA. Hearing him talk oh, right yeah. now He's, is also so comforting as much as you can have that right now. You needed to hear from Jerry West and he knew it. And he's just hurting himself by having to talk over and over and again on the all these different things. shows just to get the message out there of who Kobe was to him. And he feels this debt to Kobe, this responsibility to have to talk about him, especially the young Kobe that he knew 
bringing him into the league at yeah, first. Yeah, getting getting to hear that peek behind the curtain with him and Shaq talking about how it all came together in '96. I mean, it was it was jaw dropping, honestly. That that moment last night put me right back into that place where I was Sunday because the what they said was so powerful yeah, and the pain on their faces. And even Reggie Miller, who I can't stand normally as a broadcaster, yeah, I thought it was the best moment he's ever had talking about how yeah. we're all shook. Mm-hmm. He was so well-spoken. Everybody was just was just perfect for, for a healing moment. And to start that process, everybody from TNT, if anybody was going to do it right, of course it was them. Yeah, they they absolutely crushed it um now before before we get to on the court kobe moments on the court recently since kobe has passed it's been three days there's been nba games that have been played but i haven't even watched honestly honestly i I know Embiid wore the jersey and i don't even know what he got in the game and he's one of my favorite players i literally last night i was prepping for tonight and i literally just had the the Celtics game. I don't even remember who they were playing last night on mute. I can tell you. And but I would unmute it when it was pregame, halftime, and after because I wanted to hear everything that the panel was saying. But on the court, I wanted to shout out Damian Lillard, Eric Gordon, and Chris Middleton all scoring fifty or fifty one in Chris Middleton's case last night. I know Kobe's looking down, smiling on those three guys, especially for just going out and balling and doing exactly what Kobe would have done in any other scenario keeping it moving i mean for someone to to drop 50 points after experiencing such a great loss and i mean damian lillard eric gordon and chris middleton are the perfect age to where like you said this younger generation that is their jordan so i think Definitely they did that. Eric Gordon getting 50. I, I know James Harden and uh, CP3 didn't play in the game. Or not CP3. Uh, uh, Russ, Westbrook Russ. didn't play in the game. But yeah. how Gordon many threes did Gordon have? I think, I'm think i pretty sure he was 7 to 10. That's an underrated storyline. Side note to this season. <laughs> they got Eric Gordon back. And yeah. he's a huge part for, of that team. Yeah. For a team that's been struggling. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, let's move on now to our favorite... Kobe moments and Jacob uh, pulled a, a bunch of sound for for some of these moments and I, that uh, we kind of talked about beforehand that we were for sure going to uh, to bring up. So I guess my my number one favorite moment of Kobe Bryant's career was him winning ring number five against the Celtics in 2010. That series was back and forth, back and forth, and, I mean, it's... They were down 3-2. Yeah, and they had to win a game in Boston to send it home to potentially win it in L.A., and that that Game 7, statistically, box number-wise, is probably one of Kobe's worst performances, especially in the playoffs and in the big moments, but... And to be fair, and I can't believe I'm saying this, it was ugly for everyone. A lot of those oh. Game 7s just end up like that. And listen, that's really scrappy. That game was so low scoring. It was it was like the Spurs Detroit Pistons game seven oh, from gosh. 05. Yeah. Ugly. <laughs> yeah. But And it wasn't because of the defense either. The defense was no. not good. Lids on both rims. Yeah. It guys was, so nervous. I mean the t- the two teams had played two years prior, so it's like everybody knew everybody. Like there was and the added extra pressure of it being Lakers Celtics. 
But Kobe Bryant had 15 rebounds that night, and I heard Derek Fisher talking about it last night on NBA on TNT, and it's like he shot, I believe it was 6 of 24 that night. Not many guys that shoot 6 of 24 are going to go out and try and get 15 rebounds, but like Derek Fisher said when he was explaining it, that's who Kobe was. Not many guys would defer to Ron Artest in a big moment, but he believed in it. Kobe passed me the ball. I, I know, Kobe I know, passed I me the ball. Him the ball. <laughs> Not in that moment. <laughs> I, I love that moment for Ron Artest. And and speaking speaking of Ron Artest, it's unfortunately to to say it's like I I think about Lamar Odom and Ron Artest so much in this situation because of knowing everything those two guys have gone through mental health wise. And obviously with Lamar Odom stroke and everything like that, it's like, I'm, I'm truly hurting and worried about these guys. I was very concerned for Lamar Odom and Vic, the brick who has powered through all of this. I saw, I saw Vic, the brick yesterday and man, I gave him a big hug and it, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. So what, what do you got? You, You got some sound or, Oh yeah. Won't go. Rebound to Saul. Kicks it out to Odom. Odom throws it ahead. The Lakers repeat back-to-back titles. The L.A. Lakers, the 2010 NBA champions. I hated that game. <laughs> I gotta keep it real. Because it was Boston the Lakers. Boston was up, or? I think, 13 in the second half. They were. Oh. What Rhonda, do you, what are you doing? <laughs> More, you could say that right now. <laughs> Hey, they hit a lot of the threes in the, the last end. minute. It was a Rashid uh, three, a Rondo three, a Ray Allen three. Rashid started off so well. It was the perfect play without Kendrick Perkins. I think Rashid had like six of the first ten points. Yeah, it was, I mean, that game was just un, unbelievable. But that him getting number five and it being against the Celtics, and he even says that's his favorite championship because of what it meant and how hard it was and beating those guys after losing them in 2008. I mean, when he, when they lost to the Celtics in 2008, Kobe then went on to go play in the Olympics that year, and he was so mad about losing to the Celtics. He took his anger out on the world. And, and poor Spain got the blunt of it. Yeah, I mean, they he led the Redeem team to I hated gold. that game, too, against Spain. You want to know how much of a hater I was for Kobe? <laughs> I was rooting against Team USA. <laughs> Are you communist? And Kobe taking a turnaround right. fadeaway well, three with well, 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Who that, did I, we invite to be on Yeah, what on are we doing? Yeah. You wanted this perspective. <laughs> that's right. I'm still true. a guy that's been in tears the last three that's days. Fair. That's fair. But so, I know one of your other favorite moments is his Portland game. His yes. two buzzer beaters. Okay, so the two buzzer beaters against Portland in 2004. That's the game for me. I remember that. Okay, so I, I have a story go. about this game. 2004, I... How old the, are you? So I was nine years old, turning 10. Game three, the... Or game four of the NBA Finals was my 10th birthday, and they lost to go down 3-1 to... Detroit. To the Pistons. I'll never forget it. And I was so mad at the Lakers on my birthday that they lost. They lost bad that game too, right? Yeah, they did. They got their ass kicked. I'll never forget it. I had my birthday in numero uno. Uh, we, the game was on the TV in the restaurant, everything. But going back to this Portland game in 04, I was, this had to be, this was the end of the regular season. So it was before I was turning 10. I was nine years old. The game ended up going to double overtime and my parents didn't let me stay up to watch the game. 
So I had to sneak in my room. I had a radio in my room, and I had to sneak listening to the game on the radio. And I heard both those buzzer beaters on the radio. Who was doing it, Spiro Ditas? In 04, yeah, it had to be Spiro. Or it might have been Joel Myers. It might have been Joel Myers. Well, for he the was call, probably on TV. For, for the call that I have, it's I don't think it's Joel. Okay, well, who do you have? No, I will Let's see. Well, I was yeah. pulling this. Oh, this is an NBA TNT game at ESPN. Patterson, Kobe. Mike Green. Cannot get Patterson in the air. A wild no, three. That's, that's from Portland's side. Oh, that's I Portland's call? That exact same call. That, that was, was the one that's Portland. on YouTube. I think it's better because they are so <laughs> distraught. And so, okay, disbelief. so replay it. Replay it. <laughs> against Patterson. Kobe cannot get Patterson in the air. A wild three. So that was the first one. That was in regulation. Oh, that was one of the most ridiculous shots in the history of the NBA. I had to. I don't think I've ever seen anyone even attempt something like that where you've lost your pivot. You're going to travel and he is moving the ball around him. Only Kobe would try it. (laughs) Yes. Only and, Kobe and, would try it. And no be doubt. successful. Right. So, all right, the second one in double overtime to win the game. And I believe this was to this game ultimately like won them the Pacific Division that year. Oh, I know. Yeah. The Kings were playing the Warriors at the <laughs> very a previous same Kings fan. time <laughs> that this game is going on. That's that's my point of view from this game. I was listening and watching the Kings game, and we get an update from this broadcaster, Jim Cosimore, from Northern California, who goes, oh, my God, he hit it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the Kings got blown out by the Warriors. I think that opened the door for the Lakers to win this game and win the De- Pacific Division. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what this game was. <laughs> so this was, this I, I, was double yeah, overtime. This is the second one. Regular season, possibly. Out to Kobe. Fall away high. Up to Kobe. Oh! Oh! Are you kidding me? Are you? That's the way to end the regular season. Again. That's the way you end it. Kobe put it in the first overtime. That wow. is not the Portland call. <laughs> no, that was no. that was Stu Lance for sure. <laughs> that shot was also insane with one second left. Yeah. Falling down um, against Portland, who actually has had a lot of success against the Lakers, even while they were great during that era. <laughs> That's a house of horrors for. Yeah, the, no, uh, listen, we had to Lakers. go against we had to go up against the jailblazers in the playoffs. It's in the Western Conference Finals in two thousand. It's Don't it, get me started about that. The <laughs> the the connections between the Lakers and the Kings and the Lakers and the Blazers in the early 2000s, it's its really something to behold. Those two and the Spurs. Yeah. yeah you, you can't forget about the Spurs. Well, I'm, I'm putting the Spurs in a separate category because that <laughs> the Spurs and the Lakers, Blazers and the Kings. Eh. Hey. <laughs> hey, the Kings almost would have made it. I don't want to get this this topic don't started with that anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, but all right, Adam. You don't want to open that can of worms. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's what uh, What are some of your favorite Kobe moments? I, the first thing I thought of was the Portland shots. Those are the two of the toughest shots that I've ever seen made in game winning moments. Uh, I mentioned the All Star game when he first came in, but I've done extensive research. <laughs> 
in my <laughs> critiquing of Kobe. And sometimes that research leads you to highlights. It backfires on me. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, with Kobe, a lot of the times it probably did. Here's a good one. People don't talk about this game. And it's young Kobe. I think it's either 97 or 98. Mm-hmm. It's the Bulls' last championship run. They're playing in Chicago. Yeah, I know exactly what game you're talking about. And he and Jordan are going back and forth. The Lakers lost. The game wasn't that close. But points-wise, I think Jordan had 36, Kobe had 33, and they were guarding each other a lot. It's a young Kobe. It's an old MJ, but it's not Wizards MJ, so he still has a lot of athleticism. Kobe beats him on a backdoor cut for a huge throwdown jam where he swings to the other side of the rim. And it was it's it's a game that's kind of forgotten and I don't know why. There I know I didn't forget it. It was in where... the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan that yeah. night had Michael Jordan that night had thirty one points. Kobe Bryant that night had twenty off the bench. Are you sure it's the same one? February first, nineteen ninety eight. I mean obviously they played twice oh. per year. Well that was at Los Angeles. You said that was at Chicago. It was, it was in, Chicago. in Chicago. In yeah. Chicago. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, the anyway. pieces of the audio were in the intro, and then they, they asked Jordan, what do you think about him? And then that's when he says, he's like, well, you know, I was once young. He's like, but if he continues this, you know, he's going he's gonna to keep getting better and better. Yeah, It was that game. What about you, Jacob? What's a, what's a moment for you? Uh, I think one that, that sticks out is the, the Olympics 2008 because you assemble that, that redeem team, and you have people like LeBron, Carmelo, uh, you have Wade and Chris Paul. So you have all these other quote-unquote alpha dogs of their teams they're the the guy on their team but you have him who saves their their run so to speak and he becomes the alpha dog of that team and i think just you you got to see more of kobe because it's like what adam said before a lot of not a a lot of players liked him you know look at who he was a tough competitor but i think when he gets to the olympics and he's living with these guys he's eating with these guys practicing every day with these guys you kind of see him break his his outer shell a little bit, and then he becomes you know a little bit more receptive to, to to friendships like LeBron and stuff like that. So that was one that stood out for me. And he also sacrificed during that Team USA run. He said, "I'm going to play defense. That's going to yeah. be yeah. my thing on this team." And yeah. he did plenty of that. Yeah. Now another another moment, and I'm really glad that ESPN did this on Monday night. Was replaying obviously his last game, the 60 point farewell game. That was the first game I rooted for Kobe. Wow. So <laughs> Even I, co- I couldn't help myself. That was the first time I'm like, do it, Kobe. Get it. Yeah. Take 50 it was his shots. Last game. <laughs> and listen, <laughs> yeah. it's, when, it's over after. Uh, watching, watching it on Monday night, Lakers Twitter, the community Lakers Twitter was live tweeting the game as if it was happening in real time. And honestly, I think that was a lot more therapeutic for me than maybe even going to Staples Center earlier that day. I tried to get into a bar. There was 200 people in a bar that should have had 50 people in it. Wow. I wanted to watch it with Laker fans for some reason, and eventually I went home and had to wa- watch it by myself because it was just too bad. <laughs> no, listen, I had to work Bill Handel the next morning. I watched it alone in bed, lights off at 6 p.m. Like I, it's That was an incredible performance. 
because you could he's just see lacking. The, yeah, you could see the fatigue on his yeah, face. I think it's in the fourth yeah. quarter. He had like five points the game before that on two of ten shooting or he something. He started that game 0 of 5, but then went 5 for 5 in his next five shots. It's it's just unbelievable. You, Dan you have the, the final winner. call? Yeah, I think yeah I have. his final, final game. Final shot. Final game winner of his career. MJ style against Utah. <laughs> It's. I did get pissed at Utah though. I was like, "You guys are bums." Like, I'm never. They were playing for you ever again. (laughs) But listen, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that he took 50 shots. He. They were down in that game. He brought them back in that game, and there's no yeah, denying a lot, that. A lot of people said and argued. They were like, "Well, the Jazz handed him the 60 points." That's not true. No, but not true not, at that's all. That's not true, though. He made some very difficult shots in that game. There was some of them where it's like, all right, you gave him like a you know open lane. But there was some of those, the last jumper that I'm going to play right now, that one he he had to work for. Will Kobe give them one last gamer? Bryant on the move with the jumper. He oh, my! 58 points! And the Lakers lead! What's so funny is when I was re-watching that game, I forgot how Mike Tirico and Hubie Brown, they were saying throughout the game, like, oh, maybe he'll go for 41 last time. Maybe maybe we don't know because the season had been lost so long before. Like, he was on the decline. And like you said, he wasn't having as great a games towards the end of the season as he had. He shot like 35% that year. Yeah. It, and somehow he had that type of performance in his <laughs> last, the game. last game. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just un. Unbelievable. And it's funny because that wasn't even the – well, it was one of the talks of that night. But I don't know if you guys remember, the Warriors, um, there was the same night that they could have broken the, the record for, for best um, overall record in, in a season. Yeah. And a lot of people had to choose. Are you watching that game or are you watching Kobe's last game? They put the 72 and, yeah. 72 and 9 at the time Warriors on ESPN2 that night. And they got, they got bumped out. <laughs> yeah. And I and I chose Kobe. <laughs> I, I'm so, glad you chose Kobe. <laughs> I had to Over work the Warriors. <laughs> I had to work that night, but I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings at the time, so it was on every single TV. Oh no, I called out. I literally was in the middle of the, one of the dining rooms crying at the end of the game because it was his last game. He had just scored sixty. The Mamba out speech, like that whole thing, it it just got me. And I mean, it's one of those things I'm never going to forget. Where I was his last game, I'm never. The next, I mean, the next moment on my list, the eighty-one point game, January twenty-second, two thousand and six. I'm never gonna forget where I was watching that game at home on a Sunday on their Sunday whites. Like that game, second greatest scoring performance in NBA history, coming three weeks after him outscoring the Mavericks in three quarters, scoring sixty-two, and the Mavericks only having sixty-one at the end of three quarters, and him telling associate head coach at the time, Brian Shaw, like. And now I'll get 70 another time. Yeah. It's that easy. Apparently it was a couple weeks later. <laughs> and even in the 81-point game, they were down to the Toronto Raptors, and he just went off in the second half and brought them back. I'll say the best series I saw him play, I think, was against the Phoenix Suns in 2010 in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Oh, I agree. There's Alvin one Gentry shot coached in particular. That I have, yeah. Shot clock out of five. Bryant, yes. 
So that was over Grant Hill. I don't know if you remember him. I think he was in game six, I want to say. It was in, in Phoenix, and uh, Grant Hill was just draped all over him, uh, similar to the Portland shot in, in a way, and he just fires it off right in front of Alvin Gentry's face. And after he hits it, he gives him a little tap on the butt. There was another great moment in that series between him and Grant Hill. I think it was during that series. It might have been a regular season game that season. But Grant Hill is obviously guarding Kobe. Someone's at the free throw line. And both of them are out near half court or past the three-point line. And Grant kind of gets in front of him like, I'm not going to let you run in and grab a rebound or have a put-back dunk like MJ used to do all the time. And Kobe goes... Oh, man, I'm too old for that. And Grant's like, you're too old for that? <laughs> like, look at me over here. <laughs> but, no, I mean, listen, Kobe Bryant and the Lakers had so many great battles against the Phoenix Suns in 2010 and in the uh, down years. The, I mean, 06, 07. I mean, don't get me started. The year 2000 against a bleached blonde yeah. Jason Kidd. Yeah, that too. But before Kuzma made it cool, <laughs> I wouldn't say Kuzma made it cool. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> Identity crisis going on there with Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, but I mean, the buzzer beater he hit in, I guess it was 06, 07. Against 06. Phoenix. Yeah, 06. Game four. Yeah, I mean, it spawned my favorite gif of all time with him and Vic. That is the best. It's, yeah. It, so, I mean,. That Vic's in that in that I- iconic photo of him pulling his jersey. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the gif I'm talking about. That series, I think, because people took sides when he and Shaq broke up, and that series I think had the best and worst of Kobe with that shot. Yeah, and then what happened in Game Seven with him refusing to shoot, and then he goes on TNT. This was this is amazing audio. He and Charles Barkley. He becomes the halftime or post-game guest, and they air it out with Barkley's criticism of him for not shooting in that Game 7. And Kobe's so smart and articulate, and he could have done broadcasting. He could have done it with ease if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. He did the detailed stuff. Mm -hmm. The detailed stuff is incredible. That series is so interesting all the way around just seeing the different sides of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And, I mean... Because after then the next year after 07, he goes, when they lose to Phoenix again in five, Amari's back. Yeah. And he says afterwards, I need help. And that was the start of what's going to happen. The next season they traded for Pau Gasol. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is, is I remember in the, the interview that he had recently did within the last two years with uh, Tracy McGrady, I believe it was Rachel Nichols who interviewed him. Right. That one-on-one, that yeah, that one-on-one mm-hmm. Which mentality. I, refu- I, I will refuse to believe. I'm sorry. I don't think T Mac could get shut out in a one-on-one game. <laughs> no, I'm not even. Ta- I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the question where she brought up James Harden and that whole style of play. And Kobe straight up said that won't win a championship. And I think he knows that because he experienced it firsthand in those two Phoenix series. And in those years without Shaq, yeah. where he tried to do so much and it just ultimately wasn't enough and it wasn't yeah, the right get, way to win. You can get to the playoffs, but it's not going to get you very far. I, I've always had that as one of my criticisms, but he did learn. When he had to win in playoff games, You know, it was less about him. There aren't many playoff games 
that are must-win games. I can't think of one where Kobe goes for 50 for them to have to win in a must-win situation. It was about passing. It was about him trusting his teammates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did learn that. Yeah. Which is funny because in the 2010 uh, Phoenix series, there's that one shot that he airballed, and, and our, our, our test catches it and puts it right off the glass. It's like stuff like that. He started to trust his teammates after 2000, and I feel like he just started giving after, them more I think after that play is what made him feel comfortable giving Ron Artest the ball yeah, in Game, game seven. 7 after that. <laughs> Did you hear what Steve Nash said last night when Which he part? came on with TNT? He came on during the half, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And he said, after the 06 series, Kobe came to me and asked me, we were doing some Nike event, how do you trust your teammates? Wow. And then Nash was like, Thinking about that, wow, that's cool. He asked me that, and he joked that because I have to, because I'm not as talented as you. I have to trust my teammates. I have to try to make them I can't better. Do what you do. But then he also thought it was Kobe taking a dig at him, like you know, you just had the better team, and that's the only reason we lost. <laughs> you yeah. had better, yeah. a better supporting cast. But that that Kobe, it could have been either one. Yeah, listen, I mean, I'm Steve Nash stole two MVPs from Kobe Bryant, and I'll take that to my fucking grave. See, I, I'll tell you why I disagree with that. First of all, it's consistent with how they give away MVPs. Outside of Russell Westbrook in the modern era, it goes to a guy that's a top three seed. Yeah. That is the best player usually on the best team. And even though there is no definitive criteria for the most valuable player award, it's always kind of been that. So to me, it, it made sense. I'm not saying Kobe wasn't as deserving to me. I thought Anthony Davis maybe in 2014 or 2015, the first year he got the Pelicans into the playoffs. He could have like, won it that year. I would be fine with that, but it's not consistent with how they normally vote. The only other guy to pull it off is Westbrook just because the triple-double and how right. ridiculous those numbers I just, were. I just couldn't – I could never understand how they could give Nash the MVP the year that – That he scored 81? Yeah. Average 35? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so it's because they were the number one or number two seed. Yeah. And I know I get what you're saying. That's just me as the Kobe fan. It's like, I'm, I'm always going to go to bat for him. But I would say I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I've been like, Kobe's doing more with less. Right. But then I, and that's always the argument for the best player on those fifth, sixth, seventh, right. Eight seeds. I thought CP three should have got it over him in 2008, but the Lakers were the higher seed. They were number one. I think the Hornets were number two. So he got it back. Yeah. But you're right. It no. was always interesting when he got his first. I think it was Larry Bird who said this. You're telling me that's his first? Right. <laughs> Does he not have five more of these? 2007, <laughs> 2008 was his first MVP. And it's so um, just some other. I mean, the whole three-peat era with him, with Kobe and Shaq, it's, it's what I grew up on. I mean, I was I was watching superheroes on television. That's that's what it was. I I didn't grow up watching cartoons on Saturday mornings or whenever. I I grew up watching sports. I grew up watching the Lakers, and I mean, just I've always said it. Laker fans are spoiled brats. We're spoiled. The most entitled fans in the history of sports. <laughs> Not and, as much and, as Yankees. No, I think Ooh. it's worse. I think it's gotten worse. I'm sorry, <laughs> but okay. okay. Well, there's a, there's a debate to be had there. The, you're right. Twenty seven titles. But... Yeah. Um. Do you got the sound for the buzzer beater over D Wade? You want to hit that? I mean, this that that season where he hit seven buzzer beaters in one season. But is that a true stat? Um, yeah, it, yeah, it was had, the the Raptors, the Hawks, 
The Bucks. The Bucks. What, Kings. What, what the year Kings. is this? Uh, 2012. No, no, this was uh, no. It was 2012. The one where he had seven. Yeah, it was 2000 because it was the same. It was the year they lost to the Thunder in the playoffs. It was 2011, 2012. That is that year. Yeah. For some reason, I missed all the buzzer beaters. <laughs> well, one was against I the was Kings. Too busy hating. <laughs> no, I saw that one wide open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this one does a blown ass coverage. <laughs> Wait, which one? Those weren't my kings. I'm oh. thinking, who was uh, um, Amir Caspi? Amir Caspi? Was supposed to be guarding Kobe, yeah. and they let him open for three. Yeah. Where he had it in the in the corner, right? In the corner wide open. Well, I think him and, and Benno Udry ran into each other. Yeah. And then Udry fell this way, and then Kobe went, was wide open. But the one, this a is comedy a comedy of errors <laughs> by bad Yeah, they just team. ran into each other. But he still had to hit it. <laughs> yeah. This right. is the one over Wade, though. Artest looking, gets it to Bryant. Bryant dribbling, has to put it up at the buzzer. Banks it in! Oh, he banks in the three! And the Lakers win the game! Did he call game <laughs> like Paul Pierce? <laughs> no. I call game! <laughs> I remember watching that live. So do I. And I was like, well, the Lakers are probably going to lose here. Uh, but when he had the ball and he put it up, I was like, all right, this is good. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, he hit it running off a of one leg. Bank shot like it. I'll just, always love the way D Wade competed immediately when yeah. he got into the league against Kobe, and I think Kobe loved that too. Well, and D Wade talked, yeah, D Wade talked about that last night on NBA on TNT, and he was basically saying how for a while so many people wanted them to go against each other, especially with the whole Shaq dynamic getting traded to Miami and then them winning the championship. But then when they met or te- teamed up, um, they met before, but when they teamed up on the Olympic team in 08, D. Wade and him had the same trainer, Tim Grover, the famous trainer who also trained Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, and Tim had texted Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne told the story last night where Tim texted Dwayne to work out, and Dwayne showed up, and Kobe was already there working out, getting his stuff done, and then they just basically had a conversation and Kobe said to Tim Grover, like, why didn't you tell me this kid was exactly like me? Yeah. They got done doing, like, some plank exercise. or They were holding a position with their arms extended in and a he, push-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he put it, he pitted them against each other. Won. Wade didn't say who won. Well, we know who won. Uh, maybe Wade was being too humble. He's like, you know, I did get, I did get him. But the point is, Kobe realized he competed the exact same way. Right, and... Then D Wade told another story where was a different animal, same beast. What did Kobe used to yeah, always different say? Different animal, same beast. For Westbrook. Yep. Um, but another story that D Wade mentioned was during the Heatles run, the Lakers were in town to play Miami, and D Wade and LeBron had gotten word from people in the arena that Kobe was at the arena working out, and D Wade and LeBron looked at each other and they were like. He's not about to outwork us in our own arena. So they changed, went straight to the arena and started working out. <laughs> D-Wade joked and said that they left before Kobe did because they had some stuff to do or whatever. But oh, he's, that's, still, he's still at work. That's them. the type of inspiration he had for these these players. Was that the game the Lakers lose and Kobe is out there afterwards immediately putting up shots too? No, I think this was like before the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I was like, could it have been the same game, though? I don't Before know. Before the game, Maybe. he's putting in more work because there was a game in Miami. I know, I know what you're talking about, though, I with remember that. Woj. It was like a big – I don't know why they were hyping it up like that, but it may have been the 2012-2013 Dwight Howard year yeah. Lakers. Yeah. I, I also remember the first game against Shaq. I think it was on Christmas. Yep. And Shaq had a quote – of what it's going to be like when they go up against one another. And he said something to the effect of, it's going to be like a, a Lamborghini, you know, going as fast as they can, and then I'm going to be the wall. Yeah. And there was a play in that game where Kobe drove down and, and banged Shaq knees with Shaq. Hard foul. Yes. Well, and it was very intense. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that was also the same uh, game with the Andrew Bynum dust-up. Hmm. It, it may have been, yeah. So, I... I mean, I yeah. I mean, the first time I saw Kobe and Shaq play against each other, that was that was something I never thought I would see. That was so fun. I yeah. love that. Uh, another moment, obviously, the sixty-one at Madison Square Garden. That was the record at the time. And then what? Mello broke and then it. Mello yeah, broke Mello it. broke it. LeBron also was it before or after Kobe in that same week had fifty-eight or something yeah, he, with a he, triple yeah. double. He got close, and people were debating which performance was better. Yeah, should we give <laughs> it to the guy? Who had a better time lighting up the Knicks this week? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can still ask that question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another moment, obviously, Game Four, of the two thousand NBA Finals, when Shaq fouled out and Kobe just took over and won him that game. That was great to hear that side from Reggie last night. Yeah. Like, well, we think we're about to tie up the series. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, oh, yeah, big fella's out. That, that was a really good Pacers team. Yeah. Mark they, Jackson, Reggie Miller. I mean, that went to six games. It easily could have gone to seven. Easily. Yeah. They, they had a shot. Yeah. Um, another moment, him baptizing Dwight in Orlando his rookie year. I'm a, I remember watching that game. Poor Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he, he is, and I heard somebody say this the other day. His dunking in-game dunks are underrated. They Kobe are. Bryant, I, honestly, if I were to rank dunkers, I'm going Vince Carter, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. I wouldn't put Michael in my top three, honestly. I'd put as an in-game dunker. No, I'm, I'm saying just and overall. He's great, but I would put Sean Kemp and Dominique next, First. right behind Vince. And then you no, can that's argue fair. Whoever, that's fair. But no, I think I think Kobe Bryant is older. one of the greatest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Kobe Bryant's one of the greatest dunkers of all time. I, I, the behind the back reverse dunk against, against Denver. Denver. Yeah, dunking on Yao. Uh, I mean, he's dunking. He never got Shaq, which is what we were all waiting for in that. Yeah. in that rivalry in when Shaq was too. in Miami, because I knew it. I was excited. I was like, "Oh, Kobe's gonna go for it." Kobe, Kobe's. Not I'm doing sure it. he was looking for it. Oh, I think there was a moment, yeah, where he he just missed it. Yeah, he got fouled intentionally or something. One of my one of my other like favorite moments was actually one of Kobe's worst times, and it was February twenty. Uh, twenty February two thousand three, when he was going through the whole court situation and he was flying back and forth from Boulder to L.A. on game days for court in the morning and then a game at Staples Center that night. But for that entire month of February, he averaged forty points a game. Yeah, and the fact that he had the wherewithal to shut out what was going on off the court, but not shut it out enough to where he was able to channel it to what he was doing on the court and use it as motivation to 
to go out there and dominate it, it was inspiring to me, honestly. Andy dominated in Denver. Oh, yeah. Booze raining down. Oh, he... It, it was similar to like Barry Bonds at the height of his career and people throwing syringes out there. It was that yeah. bad, the animosity. Oh, I mean, listen. For different reasons. Yeah. But but it, it turned out that the Lakers in Denver would have a bit of a rivalry, especially once Melo got there and that Western Conference Finals. Denver should have won that series. Freaking Trevor Ariza. <laughs> Denver should have won that series. That was series. a tough series, too, because it, it kept I going back I talked about that recently with Chauncey Billups. <laughs> oh, humble brag. <laughs> well, no, well I, I get, I'm lucky enough to get to work with the Clippers, and you know he does a lot yeah, of the no, color. Yeah, I know. I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> I told him also that season, he was on a show here. I think it was on with Steve Hartman or something like like uh, back then, and this feeds into my Laker hate. But I, I picked up the phone. He was a guest coming on AM570, and I tell him, Chauncey, thank you so much for beating the Lakers in 2004. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to do it for you again this season. No, and that no, was when he was not. in Denver and in the Western he Conference lost. Finals. That's yes. hilarious. Oh. What a story. It's a true story. But it all comes back to Kobe. Yeah, it, it all revolves around Kobe. That's what – it's it's a nostalgia trip for me to just think of all those times, being on the other side of it, Hoping for the worst, hoping Kobe Bryant would not hit the game winner. That w- that's where I was. But I, I can remember everything. It was yeah. just a huge part of my life. Granted, a lot of negativity, but <laughs> it, it was like me competing against Kobe in a way. That's how I felt. Yeah, I felt like th- during one of his last couple seasons, I think 2015, I would keep track. I'm sure these tweets are still out there of every game winner attempt. Shot taken within the last 24 seconds of a game within three points. And I put them up daily. <laughs> what happened tonight? And I would keep updating it. That's that's how bad it was. As competitive and obsessive he was at basketball, I was of trying to bring down his reputation. Yeah, I mean, listen, Kobe, Kobe stands and Kobe detractors went at it with the same intensity. But what I liked is Kobe didn't care. Oh, no, remember no, the commercial? He fed off this. He wanted this. So I didn't really feel bad, and I don't feel bad about that now. Because Kobe, this is what he thrived off of off of the haters. He used he used the hate yeah. to to motivate. What was the commercial where he's holding his Oh yeah with, he's cupping his hand? Yeah, and it was towards the end to of his crowds. career. Yeah. yeah. So listen to the booze and and playing through it. Do you guys got any other favorite moments? Man. I mean, one of mine is that I actually got to go to his basketball camp when I was in uh, sophomore. So I actually got to meet him, take a picture with him, um, and be part of his camp. Which, in turn, it's a fun camp, but you still get to meet people and play with different, you know, players, no, I mean, young listen, players around not, the league or in, in in the country. Not many people can say they've had the chance to meet Kobe Bryant. I mean, I've lived in Los Angeles my entire life, and I never I've been to countless Laker games. I I saw his entire career and I never once got the chance to meet him so it's 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 something like that that I mean I would hold dearly for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this cuz the year before I did go to Jordan's camp. Now comparing the two two completely different people. Jordan was never really there during the day. Uh Kobe was there throughout the whole day uh interacting with the kids um even coaching some of the practices because each 
when you got there, you were assigned to a team and, you know, they wanted to make it fair, even it out. And so there was times where he would be working with the kids and going over certain moves. A big part of that camp was learning pieces of the triangle offense because you could spend all day there. Carl Malone played seasons with the Lakers and he still couldn't learn the damn thing. <laughs> and so they were just trying to show you pieces of it. And like it was cool because you got to see him interact with the kids because Jordan didn't really necessarily do that. Well, if there's a bigger a-hole than Kobe, it is, it is, it is <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, he would he would just show up when it was time for him to show up. Maybe that was after that business exec beat MJ in that one-on-one game, and he was like, I'm I believe coming so. back. <laughs> <laughs> and that was interesting. I remember after LeBron gets dunked on in his camp. And he gets the whole video wiped from the internet. He, yes. Yep. They, they erased it. This whole <laughs> TMZ conspiracy thing with Nike, which is disgusting. But... Then Kobe, who like, was the guy who dumped on him? Was it, goes, uh, was it Jordan Crawford? Yes. Yeah, Jordan Crawford. There you go. Yeah. That's exactly who it was. <laughs> At Kobe's camp, he like blocks some kid. Oh, yeah. He doesn't mercilessly <laughs> or with no mercy. And, and he says, I'm not getting dumped on at my camp. <laughs> That's not happening. That was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it was the Bill Murray Rushmore. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that Wes Anderson movie. But. <laughs> Which it's funny because at that camp, he, he also brings guests. And one of his guests for that year, because every year it's a new guest, he brought Jalen Rose. Wow. And Jalen Rose sat there and was talking about what was going through his head guarding him during that 81-point game and what was going through the Raptors' head guarding him in that game. I mean, the fact that Sam Mitchell never double-teamed him. Like, is, that's his own fault. Th- that was the funniest thing a couple years ago. Where someone tried to troll Sam Mitchell during an interview. He's like, I know what you're trying to do right now oh. to get me to talk about Game 81, <laughs> and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> well, and the the commercial that came out a couple years ago with Kobe and Jalen where Kobe orders a martini with oh, 81 olives. I mean, <laughs> Jalen finally figured it out. You have to just be really upfront about him because, about getting put up 81, even though I don't even think most of the points were on Jalen. No, it was he was the top, but he was, it, the, he was the primary defender on him, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think there were like, so many difficult threes that he made. That it was like on two people, so yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily put all the blame on Jalen no. Rose. That was a team defeat. He just, but <laughs> it's weird. But it's weird that he gets the blunt of it, though. Because he, he was the biggest player yeah. in Toronto at that time. Who else? <laughs> Nobody. Chris, a young Chris Bosh was on that team. Yeah, yeah, but, but he wasn't as big as Jalen Rose. No. Jalen Rose had one ridiculous like half season where he averaged twenty nine. I think. I don't know if it was with Chicago or with Toronto. Had to have been with Chicago. Yeah. Because I don't remember those days with Toronto. No. But Jalen was on the other side also in game four against the Lakers in the finals. So young Jalen Rose. Yeah. And, and, when and Kobe went and off. It. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so he's seen everything. He's gotten every bad piece of that. Oh, yeah. Jalen's had to wear it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in fact, have we heard from him yet? I, he, he's, yeah, he's, he's been on SportsCenter. He's done a couple hits on Actually, SportsCenter, I the think. the one person... Who I have not heard from, and I'm a little surprised is Phil Jackson. No, he put out a statement. Oh, did he? Yeah, because I haven't heard from him like a video. I was wondering about that interview, too. anything like that. Because huh. I've heard the the people I first thought of was what is Shaq gonna shit? Yeah, what is Shaq gonna say? What is Jerry West gonna say? All of his old teammates, you know, Fisher, Fox. But I didn't hear anything about Phil Jackson. Then, I'm I'm looking for his statement right now. Um, who who was also a big part of the. Many sides of Kobe Bryant and being yep. flawed and calling him uncoachable and all that. We can I mean, come book, back yeah. together. The whole book. I have the book at home. Yeah. And 
I, I think that's what makes all of this so difficult. There's, there's no, in some way, I feel like I'm not sure exactly who Kobe Bryant was, but the last couple of years, he was a great father. Like, I, I guess that's all that matters. That's what he, I think, I think what he found after retirement was that all the time that he had missed being a dad, yeah. he was trying to make up for all of that. Well, it was like he was so absorbed with basketball. And somebody mm-hmm. said this, I think it was James Worthy on with Petros, Petros Money, talking about like other guys have hobbies. Michael played golf and gambled. Kobe didn't have any other hobbies. It well, was like he sacrificed a part of his personality because he was so maniacally obsessed with playing basketball. Well, and what we, what we found out later, uh, I remember in an interview he did, post basketball was that he said in his his downtime because he was so introverted and focused on basketball was that was where he honed his writing skills mm, that makes sense and he, he he's a new york times bestseller now yeah i i haven't read his book i haven't read anything outside of his poem be honest but i'm sure i haven't been able to bring myself to watch dear basketball yet you know the interesting part, too, is like as he was approaching retirement, when he officially made the, the statement that he said he was done, which you saw how much of a competitor he was throughout his whole career to for him to be OK with it and say, you know what, I want to be closer to my kids now, be part of their life. That that to me was cool because you just saw who he was. That's what made me which is really weird. There was no like, oh, I should have got six. I should have got seven. When it was over, when it was Mamba out, it was over. Meant it. Yeah, that's that's what made me okay with it as one as a fan of his. And it's that he was at peace with it, and that's what he wanted to do. And he was going out his way. And not many athletes have that choice. He could have ended his career in 2016 when he tore his Achilles. Yeah. And I mean like I said earlier I I was led to believe that Kobe Bryant was invincible and I truly saw that when he went out and shot those two free throws after after tearing the, his Achilles and what's funny is Gary Vitti said a interesting story that was kind of like his FU moment to Paul Pierce. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> because of Not Paul get a wheelchair for me. <laughs> yeah. Because Paul Pierce had to go out in the wheelchair in in the finals in that whole uh pooped his pants incident. There's been a lot of FUs towards Paul Pierce recently. <laughs> it's over. Get, the Celtics get... the Celtics got this series against yeah. Milwaukee after they win game 1. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I loved it. But all right, I wanted I wanted to get to a few more things. Uh I know we've been kind of going on, but I think it's been I think this has been helpful. For for me, at least, I hope it's been helpful for, for you guys because uh, I know it's it's definitely affected all of us uh, in different ways, in the same ways and, and all of that. But I just wanted to list out Kobe's career accolades real quick, and I'm sure Adam's going to love this segment. Yeah, I, don't, I already don't like where this is going. <laughs> you can already see that, his face. <laughs> Kobe Bryant was a, a five-time NBA champion, a two-time finals MVP. He was the NBA MVP in 2007-2008. He had 33,643 total points. That's good for fourth all-time. And, I mean, just another added layer, just the fact that this happened the day after LeBron passed him. That's what makes it even harder to comprehend. That we was, were just debating things the night before, and then this happens. And you you saw the video of LeBron after the game. He went on for four, almost five minutes, 
talking about how much he admired Kobe Bryant. And I literally said to myself after watching it, and I, I believe I even tweeted it out. It's like Kobe Bryant or LeBron James looked up to Kobe Bryant the same way I did. And I've been, I, it's well documented to, and to he's pe- good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's well documented to, to people that know me and, all of that, how much disdain I, I have had for LeBron over the years until he came to the Lakers. That part also makes me sick about Lakers fans. It, but what, I, that they I, root for the name, I root for the name on the front of the jersey before the back. I, I appreciate that. But you can't do the same. Well, no. I, I can root for certain Lakers. I just didn't like Kobe. I like right. Powell. I like Lamar. Yeah. And listen, I listen for a long time. I did not like LeBron James, but I, I still, in the back of my mind, I always appreciated and understood who he was as a basketball player and what he means to the game. I think ultimately LeBron is the greatest athlete of all time. But I mean, that, that's one way to put it. This is a Kobe. This is a Kobe Bryant episode. So I'll continue. Uh, Seven thousand forty-seven total rebounds, six thousand three hundred six total assists, eighteen-time All Star. 11-time All-NBA first team, 9-time All-Defensive first team, number 8 and 24 are retired by the Lakers, only player in NBA history with two jerseys, uh, retired 10 seasons in number 8. He was a three-time champ in 8, 16,866 points in number 8, 10 seasons in 24, two-time champ, 16,777 points in number 24. And I just, the parallels between the two numbers in terms of the statistics it's it's crazy to me, and then he's. I feared number eight more, more than twenty four. Yes, I even fe- though he he was great at twenty four. I feel 21. like twenty four though. He just had more of a killer instinct than he had with eight. Eight, I just feel like you it was just rolled raw, your eyes so ta- much. I, I, oh. Eight, I felt like was was raw talent. It, oh. it was, and he had more but, perspective as twenty four. The eighty one points, that's number eight. Yeah, yeah. the 05, him averaging thirty five. Anything seemed possible when he was wearing number eight because he had a slight knee procedure the summer of 2007 before he switched uniforms. And I could see he wasn't quite the same athlete he was. Kobe was a ridiculous athlete. People don't realize – people, I think, underrate his athleticism a little bit. I don't know why. I I agree with that. And his defense, too. There's a dunk, and he was a better defender Mm -hmm. when he was number eight. There's a dunk he had that got called off. On Hakeem Olajuwon, an older Hakeem. I know exactly which one you're talking about. They blew the whistle. It didn't count, but his head was on the rim. Yes. It's the highest I think I've ever seen him jump. That or, that or honestly the Ben Wallace dunk. That it is, but there's no like side angle where I could see, okay, where's his head? But that that's also that preseason game <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, his rookie year. Yeah. Um, but he's also an Oscar winner, an Emmy winner, both for Deer Basketball and, like I said, a New York Times bestseller. It was his first year of eligibility for the Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame announced that they would bypass the normal election process and he would be inducted as a first ballot Hall of Famer, even though they probably didn't need to bypass the whole normal election process because he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer to begin with. Yeah, But the fact that he's not going to be able to give his Hall of Fame speech or see the statue that's going to be put up outside Staples Center, just it, it breaks my heart. That's something I brought up Sunday night. Yeah doing Clippers talk. It was just taking calls on Kobe. That part, he can't see his 
Yeah, he can't. Everything he worked for to be a Hall of Famer, and he's not going to be there for it. And Shaq talked about it last night, how they would joke about, well, I got five, you got four rings and stuff like that. And just the grab ass and the camaraderie of putting on, of being in that fraternity, that elite fraternity. And he will be, but that's just not fair. No, it's it's really not. What What do you guys think the statue should be? Mm. I think I think it should be his his fadeaway jump shot because a lot of people I think they go to that when they think about him you know mid range shot but here's the next question is what what jersey do you put on it do you put on a twenty four on the front eight on the back vice versa so my what I think the statue should be should be him standing on the podium with his arms outstretched with the ball in his hand with the cap after he won the fifth title against the Celtics and you put. Eight on the front, 24 on the back, or 24 on the front, eight on the back. I don't care which. But I think that's that's got to be the statue. I think. I don't know. I'm thinking the only way we get Reuben Patterson a statue no. is if we're not Kobe. No, we're not getting <laughs> that shot over him. No, we're not putting Reuben Patterson. <laughs> Nondescript guy, but we all know who it is. <laughs> you just he, won't he say is who it is. He is the self-proclaimed <laughs> Kobe killer. But, um, I mean... I also think if they did a statue with him and Gianna, that would that would be something special. I think I think you could even do two statues. I think I and I I heard this uh, from somewhere else, but you do a statue in front of Staples Center, or yeah, a statue in front of Staples Center, and then a statue of him and Gianna in the middle of LA Live. That'd be good. Um, and and rename the mid, that middle area in LA Live like Kobe Court or something like that. I think when he won number four against Orlando, he's holding up Gianna and giving her a kiss afterwards. Yeah, with the confetti coming I know, down. Ex- yeah, that picture would be uh, appropriate. Now, yeah, where would you put this though? I I it's we're gonna look- create a new wing. Yeah, because it's getting a little <laughs> it's crowded Staples in Center. Front. It's. <laughs> We're going to add a new facility there just for Kobe. <laughs> I mean, listen, they had to hang shacks off the building to make room for it. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's a little crowded because you have Jerry West right there and then Baylor's next to him. Unless you put him on the other side where Chick Hearn's at. There's a will, there's a way. Yeah, no, yeah. They'll, fig- they'll figure it out. But, I mean, do you guys do you guys have any final thoughts you guys want to share? I would like to say condolences to all the other families and stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I we've done it, but it is important that that doesn't get lost in all of this. I, of course, Kobe is the one we knew and had this huge impact on our lives. But the reason I think to me this is so horrible and difficult to talk about is just because it wasn't just one person, right? And I mean, listen, I'm looking, I'm looking at the computer that we're recording off of. We're an hour and 54 into this. And I know we, we've talked almost all about Kobe Bryant and what he means to us and all of that. And I just, I don't want it to get lost that there are others involved. And I do send my condolences out to the other families involved. So I just, I don't want that. It sounded like in Vanessa's post earlier today on Instagram, they're already raising money for those families. Yeah, they set up mm-hmm. a whole There's separate. Two kids that are orphans all of a sudden. Yeah, it's they, insane. The the Bryant family set up a separate fund that is going to go directly to the other families. 
So I think that's that's a great step. And um, Jacob, do you have any other final thoughts? No, I, I think this the just what you guys touched on is that initially when you heard who it was, you know, yeah, it's it's Kobe, but you have to respect all these other families too. And that, and then we have, I think everybody has, but just going forward, you know, stuff like this happens. None of us expected it to happen, and it, it sucks that, like Adam said, those kids, they have no parents now. They, didn't, they don't have a sibling now. Yeah. So it's just tough. You know, everybody kind of agrees with it differently, but it, it's good that people are helping each other out in the situation, grieving together and moving forward. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't mind, I, I wanted to read my Instagram caption from my post just because I think, for me, it was the most concise way for me to put my thoughts in order really and seems it, a little self-serving but whatever you can read your own <laughs> you, you want to turn your mic on oh that's right i turned it off <laughs> how many times have we had to check adam during this podcast <laughs> why is he here i'm already at four <laughs> but all right um my world has been turned upside down today the reason i fell in love with basketball is gone i've been crying for two hours my body is shaking I feel like I lost a member of my immediate family. Kobe Bean Bryant meant everything to me in the terms of basketball. He was the reason I fell in love with the game. He taught me how to work hard, how to be dedicated to a craft, how to be a student of the game, and he taught me how to win. He was the greatest player I've ever seen touch a basketball. He's my GOAT, and no one can ever change my mind on that. My heart, prayers, and thoughts and condolences go out to Vanessa and the girls who lost a father and a sister in this horrific tragedy. And my prayers and condolences also go out to the family of the other victims who are in this horrible crash as well. Heroes come and go, but legends are forever. Rest in peace, Kobe Bean Bryant. So I guess I... I like that Sandlot reference. (laughs) (laughs) All I I really have to say now, I guess, is just thank you. Thank you to Kobe Bryant. Thank you for being my hero. And I'm going to try and live each day with the, the Mamba mentality. I mean, if something like this doesn't change us profoundly in some way, even for a hater like me, then then yeah. there then there is no no I mean, bright I mean, spot to any of this. We have to create it. When we when we saw each other on Sunday after the news broke, and we had to literally go to work. And I mean, listen, Sunday was the one of the toughest days of my life. And I mean, I, when I saw your face in knowing you for the past couple of years and knowing how you felt about Kobe and just seeing you like that, it, it, it reputation precedes me. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, it, it, it put things in perspective for me that I wasn't the only one who looked at him like that. And it, the fact that his opponents revered him with the same respect that his fans had, it, it moved me. Yeah, I mean, it is. I said it during the pregame. We're all Kobe fans. We're all Laker fans for once today. It's happening. Yeah. And then Doc ended up actually saying the same thing later. <laughs> what a coincidence. Well, you called it. I, I think it was just obvious. Like, we come on. We got to yeah. come together. Yeah. So, all right. I just I want to close this out by saying rest in peace, uh, Ara Zobayan. Rest in peace, Christina Mauser. Rest in peace, Peyton Chester. Rest in peace, Sarah Chester. Rest in peace, Alyssa Altabelli. Rest in peace, Carrie Altabelli. Rest in peace, John Altabelli.
Rest in peace, Gianna Bryant. Rest in peace, Kobe Bean Bryant. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pacholke, at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez, at follow Adam A on Twitter for Adam Osland. Hey, what does TSK stand for anyways? The Sports Kingdom. Oh. Because I'm the Duke of Sports. With the Duke. Yes. Do <laughs> um, you want to sh- plug the FNA show real quick? If you yeah. Uh, FNApodcast.com, at KFIG1. Yeah, Kevin Figure, shout out to him. Um, Maybe we'll get him on next time. I think we're doing a show Friday. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, you, yeah, you're no, doing great. No, honestly, thank you for coming on. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And I'm glad I, you were still here. I, and I really did think it was important to to bring the perspective that you have into this because we're all feeling this. Yeah, the fact that Kobe could make me feel something like mm-hmm. this. Speaks to his legacy. Exactly. So we appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned to the stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace. I wanna be the best. I wanna be the best. Simple as playing. That's why I play the game. But to be the best, you have to win. And that's what drives me. He's the best player in the game. It's just that simple. There's nothing that Kobe Bryant can't do. He will defend your best player. He will shoot from the perimeter. He will get all in your mug. He will do whatever it takes. He is the most complete basketball player in the game today, bar none. He has an assassin's mentality. I said this week, I said this when the trade went down, and I'll repeat it again. Who's starving more for an NBA World Championship more than Kobe Bryant? There is no one. This guy is highly motivated. Separates Kobe from the pack. More than Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. There, is, there is no one. Kobe doing work. 2-4 on my shirt. He the greatest on the court and I'm the greatest on the verse. Going for the fourth ring like it was his first. Gotta get the gleam. Do it for Kareem. 2-4 so nice. My flow so mean. Catch me at the game sitting next to Goldstein. Kobe Bryant Nikes. Purple gold strings. Kobe in the game. Don't get no Black Mamba, Attack Conquer, Basketball Beast, Rap, rap Monster, Crossover Good, a Turnaround Jumper, or just drive the lane and dunk on dunkers. You know where it's going, it's going down, yo. This is the Lake Show, but don't drown, though. I call him King Bryant, not let the crown show. Definitely, I'm just lost for words. I mean, he's amazing. Pass me the damn ball, I don't need a pick at all. And don't worry about my shot, cause I'm gonna get that all. Yeah, I dropped 40 on your double team. Then I drive 81 on another team. Yeah, you better guard me with caution. And watch I work them like an auction. <laughs> no such thing as exhaustion. No time for resting, cause I don't take breaks. I just break records. <laughs> and I prefer the ball with three seconds. And I bet we go in it all in three seconds. You did? That is a guarantee, apparently. And please tell your defense, don't ever I've been quoted saying that he's definitely the best player in our league. Um, to me, in my eyes, the best scorer in our in our in our league, and it's 
I mean, I don't know if it's another, it's not another guy in his league that can accomplish some of the things that he's doing right now. Never take a day off. Catch you at the top of the key and get a J off. Baseline FaceTime. Tongue out like two, three. Even two, three. Gotta love how I do me. Practice while you sleep. Practice in my sleep. Straight out of high school. The brackets ain't for me. I will be jumping over you like I got a mattress at my feet and all field jacks and things. You better be passing it to me. I put the master in the piece. Attack you like a beast. And I am starving for victory. And that means I'm a eat. And when they ask you who's the best, then Who's the best player in the NBA? Oh, you see Kobe Bryant. Really? Why? Because oh, you never know when you're going here. Kobe was the clutch. I'm Mr. Automatic. I can post them up. All of them go get the alley. I'm going for the ring. I'm going for the ring. I went to Beijing and came back with the bling. Who they want? They want Kobe. And what he want? He want the trophy. The victory. And the glory. No shack.